Do we need to dismiss the kids? Do we need to do that? All right. So the kids are dismissed, right? (laughs) Wasn't sure about that. But before they go, I want to thank the kids from the uh, kids choir. Let's give them a hand. (laughs) Joyful noise. Oh, man, that was uh, that was awesome. Have a good time, kids. Wish I could go with you. <laughs> no, not really. Yeah, just sit on out there. Man, what a, what an awesome opportunity to hear a uh, joyful noise. If you weren't here, if you if you strolled in late, sorry for you. You missed out on a, a, just a wonderful demonstration of worship with uh, Brenda and Rosa. The good job they they do with the kids choir. And uh, man, I hope to see more kids getting involved in that. So if you need to to plug your kid in, definitely reach out to uh, Brenda or to Rosa. Uh, and it's just a blessing to have kids who, uh, who are starting to learn what it means to worship God. As I looked up and I saw them, I saw the oldest guy there. And then they got to that part where it was like, uh, where I saw uh, Brenda saying, okay, now raise your hands. And he's like, oh my God. <laughs> I remember what that was like. Anyone else here remember what that was like? Oh man. Now we got to raise our hands. And then she wants us to sway. And oh boy. I remember that stuff growing up, man, in children's choir, and, but what a blessing it is. Man, stick in there. Stay there. Don't quit. Don't give up. Yeah. See, Jesus says in, in the scripture that, that, man, if we want to be great, that's what we need to become, like those kids that, that worship just in a raw way. Man, I, when I raise my hands, I want to make sure they're about to, you know, I'm never going to do this. But that guy didn't care. Like, they told me to do it, so I just need to do it. And he was just singing with all of his heart. And, man, I so appreciate that. That's the kind of passion we need. And that's the kind of passion that I think Christ looks for in us, just a pure worship. Uh, I like to have it all polished and put together. And uh, But, man, it's when it's coming from the heart that it means the most. Uh, so thanks again. Great job. So good morning, everyone. Are you all happy to be here this morning? Yes. Yeah, it's a good day. Yeah, this is the day that God's made. It's just a, a great day to be here. I'm especially happy because um, my best friend surprised me and showed up today. It's that guy back there, if you can't see him in the black jacket, Mr. Julius Hummins. I didn't even invite him. And I invite people from time to time, but he showed up, man. So uh, you talk about being a youngster. He's not much, much older than me, but that guy was... But he was such a, uh, an example of what, uh, what a Christian should be like to me. You know, that song that Cedric and the band just did, they'll know we're Christians by our love. That's what I saw in that, in that man there. Uh, just as a young guy looking up to him as, uh, as, as a model of what it meant to be a man, man of God, and then a, a husband. Uh, he's married to my sister. God bless her soul. Uh, <laughs> he's married to my sister. And so I got a chance to, to go out on dates with them, you know, and watch them interact well before I was married and just, and so, man, I so appreciate just the, uh, the spiritual strength. And then later, once I became a pastor, I uh, mean, he was right there in the church, became one of the uh, elders that then uh, kind of helped us to lead our way forward as a, as a church uh, to reach out and show the world uh, the love of Christ. And that's what it's all about, right? They'll know we're Christians by our love. Remember, I don't know who it was that said, preach the gospel by all means, and if you have to, use words. And I believe it's so true. It's our life uh, that makes all the difference. It's who we are. It's what reflects out of us uh, that matters so much uh, more than what we do, even sometimes just here uh, in this place. It's, it's what we take outside of this place into the world we live in. Uh, and so, uh, so I love uh, just our time of worship this morning with the worship band. We're going to take a look at uh, some scripture here this morning, and we're going to dig into the Word of God. And I want you to uh, pay uh, especially close attention to what we're talking about here. Uh, one passage uh, in Matthew is pretty long, and 
Uh, it goes in a lot of detail, but I really want us to slow down and wrap our minds and hearts around uh, what the scripture is saying to really dig in deep. Uh, I work on houses. You heard me talk about the pig house a couple weeks back, the pig house that had the pig living in the house and messed up the wood floors. So those wood floors look great now. The smell is gone. It's a wonderful place. You, you could almost eat on those floors now if you didn't know about the previous situation, because I remember sometimes I get flashbacks, but I don't know if it's just, you know, post-traumatic. I just think about it. Uh, but but anyway, so so that that's uh, that's going along good. But I, but but working on houses, sometimes you have to get into the walls and you have to dig in. You have to go a little bit more than just on the surface if you really want to do a good job. As a matter of fact, there's a lady here, and I won't tell you her name, but in her house, uh, you won't believe this, but she actually found cash money that was hidden in the house. I won't tell you her name because she wouldn't want you to know this. This is several years back. And I certainly want to tell you the address in case you lived there before she bought the house. <laughs> but it was more than $3,000. You know what could happen, what you could, more than 5000 Anyone curious? More than $8,000. Woo! Yeah, hidden there. And, 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 uh, and actually it was more than $9,000. So I think I'll just, just stop right there. And I won't tell you your name. I wasn't married to her then. That gives you a clue. And I won't even tell you her name. So I, I didn't get a chance to share in the spoils. But I was just thinking as I was preparing this scripture and talking about what it meant to dig deep and to go far. You know, there are times when I think, you know, man, if I had had just a hatchet or something, I'd probably be waking up in the middle of the night. I got a feeling that it's right here. There's got to be more here. I just would have been going in. It would have been holes everywhere. You know, once you find one good spot, you just want to keep going. But seriously, I want you to, to take time to dig in this morning and take a look at uh, the scripture once we get into it. But first, I want to start with the question. It's a very, question, a very important question, probably one of the most important questions, in fact, that we could ever ask ourselves. And, and I'm going to get into the answer. I'm like, I'll tell you the answer here in a second. But I want you to think about that answer all through uh, the short sermon that you're going to hear from me today. Uh, it's a super important question. That question is this. What does it take to get to heaven? I mean, when it, all, when it all boils down to it, when, when we sum it all up, isn't that what we really need to know, those of us who don't know and who aren't sure, what does it take for us to get to heaven? We know by reading scripture that there's a very, very good place called heaven and a very, very dark, hot place called hell. And there is no middle ground, right? Some of us may have liked it if there was some spot in between where we could just kind of fit in if we didn't think we deserved heaven or deserved hell. But there really is no middle ground. There's either heaven... Or there's hell. As much as we like uh, to think about the fact that it's automatic, uh, heaven is really a choice, and, he- and hell is actually a choice also. And so the question, though, is what does it take to get there? If there really is this place where there's unspeakable joy, where there's this, this great, grandiose experience where we get to be with God and, 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 and where there's no sorrow, no sickness, where there are no, no political parties, right? There's no... There's no uh, CNN or Fox News screaming out at us, but there's just peace and contentment and love. If there really is a place like that, then what does it take to get there? Someone say heaven. Yeah, heaven. Very, very good place. Been a lot of movies uh, about heaven, a lot of movies about hell. But I want you to know that there are very real places. And the question for us is for us to figure out 
what does it take to get there? Now, uh, automatically, we tend to think that uh, if we are good boys and good girls, if we eat our vegetables and do all the things that we're supposed to do, that what mom and dad tells us to do, then we'll somehow get to heaven, that, that somehow that we can, we can earn our way and work our way into heaven. But the scripture really doesn't make that the case at all. In fact, the scripture tells us that it's clearly by the grace of God, through faith and belief in Jesus, by us putting our confidence in him, uh, in Christ alone that we find ourselves able to one day don the doors of the place called heaven. And that's good news because even though we can't earn our way, even though we can't, we can't work ourselves in there by our great deeds, we can't give enough money or time or energy in order for us to, to be where God is and to be able to celebrate with those who've gone before us, the fact is Jesus has already made a way so that you and I don't have to put in that kind of work. It's by grace, by faith in him. Trusting him for who he is and what he's done, that we find ourselves able to walk through heaven. And that's good news. I wrote a note that says, through faith, his merit, his holiness is credited to our account. His perfect obedience to God is viewed as if it were ours. And our sin, likewise, is transferred to him. And that's why Christ had to die. So that he could become the substitutionary product of our sin. Uh, I, I've testified in, in uh, courts uh, all over the land. I've, I've testified in municipal court, common pleas, federal court, uh, grand jury. And, I, and, and what I, I love most about court is evidence. Somebody say evidence. Oh, man, it, it always comes down to evidence, to proof. See, no matter what you say, the reality is it only comes down to evidence. And so today we're going to look at evidence and, and what it means to really be a Christ follower and what that evidence looks like. But first, let's take a look at a scripture uh, in Corinthians. It's where Paul is talking, where he's talking about this wonderful exchange, uh, the fact that we transfer and give up our sin nature and take on Christ's nature. Let's look at what it says in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verse 21. It says, for our sake, for whose sake? Yeah, for our sake, he made him Christ to be sin who knew no sin so that in him, in who? And who is him? And Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. And that's good news. So if we want to become the righteousness of God, it's only in him. And so if we want to receive the holiness, if we want to, to receive the goodness and all the grace and mercy that comes from God, we have to know that it comes uh, through Christ. I talk about the fact that my, my best friend is here today, but man, it wasn't uh, several weeks back. And another friend who I did invite happened uh, to don the doors of College Hill Presbyterian Church. And he, he kind of sat right over there. And uh, you might have seen him, he had on the little cap because he was, he was a Muslim. And so I invited him to come out and, and experience our worship service. And the reality is, after service, you know, I was expecting, you know, you wait out there, you just preach the message, and you're hoping people come by and shake your hand and say, ah, oh, good job, pastor, good job. Well, he didn't say that at all. It's like, no, nah, Daryl, man, you know, it was, it was kind of okay, but I felt like you were trying to convert me. I was like, dude, what are you talking now, I never really said anything about converting anyone, but the reality is that the fact of the, the matter is that the, the life of Christ, when it's alive, it will convict of sin. It will, it will, it will call out the very fact that, and we don't have him in our lives, that we need him. And there'll be a sense of uncomfortableness about our state. So if you're uncomfortable here today, guess what? You're in the right place. You're in a good place, right? Don't shake my hand up to church and tell me I did a bad job, but, but do come by if you will. And, and, and I can talk to you about the goodness of Christ that we can't earn, that we can't do anything to earn, uh, that grace and that mercy through faith in him that will cause us to be able to walk into the doors of heaven. And so Paul is saying right here that man, it's only by grace. It's only by grace. And at another time here, uh, Paul wrote a letter to a church in Galatia 
the book of Galatians, if you know that in the New Testament. And he's writing because he planted this church. He started this church about A.D. 68, 58, somewhere in that time frame. And what happened was after he left and moved on to plant other churches, there were these guys that began to, to weave their way into the congregation. And so they began to take the message that Paul originally preached that talked about grace and faith in Christ. And they began to turn that message back to the idea that you needed to do a whole bunch of good things. That it was all about works. And so they were, in fact, talking about the idea that you needed to be circumcised as an adult. No, baby, no. That just was not a good plan. But they were starting to believe this very thing. And so Paul was adamant. He actually was a little bit upset. And he wrote a letter to these guys saying, hey, listen, I'm a Jew myself. And let's take a look at it real quick before I go further. He says, listen, we Jews know that we have no advantage of birth over non-Jewish sinners. And so what they were thinking was that you really need to become like a traditional Jew. But Paul was saying, hey, no, we don't have an advantage because of our heritage. He says, we know very well that we are not set right with God by rule keeping, not set right by God with rule keeping, but what? But only through personal faith in Jesus Christ, only through personal faith in Jesus Christ. So if you want to be set right with God, what does it take? Personal faith in Jesus Christ. How do we know? He says, we tried it. We have the best systems of rule the world has ever seen, but convinced that no human being can please God by himself or by self-improvement. He says, we believed in Jesus as the Messiah. Why did he do it? So that we might be set right before God, trusting in the Messiah, not by trying to be good. Have you ever tried really hard to be good? I mean, have you really worked it hard at just trying to be good? I can tell you uh, firsthand, it, it just doesn't work. I remember uh, sitting in the police academy as a young recruit, and uh, boy, you know, some of those uh, those those topics were, were quite boring. I remember, man, sitting there and dozing off. We had this one instructor uh, that had this habit of, man, he would just come over, what? Wake up! And I, you know, you you weren't asleep all the way, but you just got nervous. And I remember the guy next to me. We came up with a pact. Okay, we both have a stack of quarters on each side. We'll, I slide one your way. If I catch you starting to doze, and so we'll see who wins at the end of the day. And I remember one day, particular man. This guy flung a huge dictionary type book across the room. Boom! And luckily he wasn't coming for me. Uh, but this guy woke up and he was like, he made him stand up. And but after that, we really worked hard. At staying awake, but the fact is we really couldn't do it. Boring is just boring, right? <laughs> and we're going to talk about sheeps and goats a little bit later on. And so I hope no one's sheepy already. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't want anyone to get sheepy, sleepy, excuse me, during the sermon. But the reality is boring is just boring. And we can try hard to stay awake or try hard to do whatever it is that we think we ought to be doing. But the, the fact of the matter is, when it comes to earning our way in heaven, there's nothing good enough that we could ever do. Because it's by grace, through faith, only in Christ. By grace, which means we can't earn it. There's nothing we could do. Through faith, through our belief and putting our trust in him, that we find ourselves standing before God. In heaven. So I, I have to pause right here because if you find yourself here this morning and you've never placed your trust in God, you've never put your confidence in him, if you've never really known that what that forgiveness is like that comes only because of his goodness, then I need to let you know that you can find that today. It's simply uh, by your choice. See, the, when it comes to heaven and hell, uh, the big deal is that we really have a choice. So wherever you decide to spend your eternity, wherever your destiny will be, just know that it's your choice whether you end up in heaven or hell. But Jesus came to make a way so that by grace, through faith, we can find our way uh, one day uh, worshiping around the throne of heaven. Uh, 
And so today now we're going to move ahead to our, our passage of scripture. And I want to set this up real quick. Uh, this, this is in Matthew and it's, it's a passage that you've probably heard a million times. How many have heard sermons preached about the sheep and the goats? Yeah, we've heard it a bunch of times. And so I want us to look at it because a little bit, it becomes a little problematic when we consider the idea of, uh, of faith and grace. But I want us to take a close look at it. And, and oftentimes when we hear messages like this, uh, we tend to spend a lot of time historically, at least I had the tendency to want to point out the differences between the sheeps and between the goats. And I heard that once here, many, many, many moons ago, there was a minister who sort of separated people, and I'm like, boy. And so I had the tendency to try to go back and, and look at the history and, and figure out what makes the goats bad and what makes the sheep good. And really, when I began to study those who've gone before, who've done the best studies, it really comes down to it really wasn't about whether the sheep are evil in and of themselves or the goats are evil in and of themselves. He was simply trying to come up with an idea and help the people to understand in their culture what it means to separate one group from the next group. So don't get hung up on the idea of sheep and goes other than just remembering my sheepy uh, story just a minute ago. Let's take a look at that passage and let's see what Jesus is talking about here. It's in the book of, of Matthew in the New Testament. So Matthew 25, 31 uh, through 46. Pretty long passage, but I'm going to read it. and uh, You can follow along with me. Okay, it says, When Jesus, the Son of Man, comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him he will, will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people from one another as sheep separate, as shepherds, excuse me, separate sheep from goats. Verse 33 says, and he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty. And you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when, when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? The king will answer and say unto him, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. And then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me naked and you did not clothe me sick and in prison you did not visit me. Then they will answer and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? And then he will answer them saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the everlasting, but the righteous will enter into eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thanks. Thanks be to God. And so when we look at that passage, I want us to look closely at it and consider what I want to ask you, what are the things that, that separates the sheep? And the goats, the people who are separated like sheep and the people who are separated like goats. What are the distinguishing factors that separate those two groups? Because there really is only one thing that separates them there. And if you look at it closely, it's really a matter of what they either did or they didn't do. It's just a matter of the works that they did do or the works that they didn't do. And so when we read that, it becomes a little bit problematic because we, we have to wrestle with the fact that salvation comes by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And then we have to also look at a passage like this that says, hey, you're going to be able to go into heaven 
if you feed me, clothe me, quench thirst, if you, if when I'm homeless, you provide shelter for me. And so that becomes a bit of a conundrum where we have to try to wrestle with the reality that it seems like there's a contradiction here. And so I want to ask you, where in that passage will we look at Matthew when it's talking about the sheep and the goats? Where in that do we see Jesus talking about faith? Do we see that anywhere? Just give that a moment's thought. When you think about the fact of sheep, goats, and people being separated like them, and heaven being the gold or hell, and then you get to go to one place or the other, where in that whole picture does Jesus talk about faith? Or does he even talk about it at all? How many would say that there's, well, I won't even ask you. It's really a trick question. Because the truth of the matter is he does uh, talk about faith in that passage. He doesn't use the words faith at all. And, and really he doesn't have to. Because the actions that he refers to, the actions of the sheep or the goats, those are all evidence of faith or the lack thereof. I'll say that again because I really want you to catch that. The reason he doesn't have to talk about faith is because the actions that he refers to are all the evidence of faith or the lack thereof. And so what I'm saying is the actions of what they did or didn't do are evidence of what was taking place in their hearts. The characteristics of feeding and and refreshing and and clothing the needy, caring for the strangers, visiting those who are in prison, those things are outward expressions of their inner reality. Outward expressions of their inner reality. And so conversely, uh, the ones on the left who weren't feeding and clothing and providing shelter, the spiritual reality that their lack of doing uh, presented was also pretty clear about where their spiritual reality was. So we look at a passage like that, and and, and all I can say is it really comes down to evidence. The proof is in the pudding. If it walks like a duck, talks like a duck, it's got to be a duck. And so I want to put it to you another way. We don't get into heaven because of what we do. we, We just don't. Salvation is by grace through faith in Christ. We get into heaven because of the things... Because the things that we do reveal and are evidence of who we are. We get into heaven because the things we do are evidence of who we are. Uh, James put it like this. Faith without works is what? Faith without works is dead. In other words, uh, you can be a Christ follower uh, and you can be a non-Christ follower. You can be a sheep or a goat. You can be a person who's far from God and still do a lot of good works. Is that right? You can have a lot of evidence of doing the good things, but they're, they're really, it's, it's really possible for there to be nothing really going on on the inside. We would say that that's true, right? We know a lot of people who throw a lot of money at a lot of problems in our world today. But that doesn't necessarily mean that there's something going on on the inside that's an indicator or evidence of Christ on the inside. However, I don't think that you can be a Christ follower, be a person who's saved by grace through faith without having evidence showing on the outside. Of, of how we shed and show our love to those who are who are not only in this community of faith, but also outside of these four doors. So we look at that passage, we we hear it and we see it right there. As he says in Matthew, uh, it's the things that you either did or that you didn't do uh, that determine uh, where you end up. And so, in other words, genuine faith, a living faith produces deeds. Genuine faith, a living faith produces deeds. Jesus put it this way, by their fruit, uh, you shall know them. So, so the question we have to ask ourselves is, what kind of fruit are we bearing? What kind of fruit are we bearing? Um, 
as a realtor, that I'm always looking at houses. And so I got a call this week about a house uh, to go and look at. And there's no way I could take on another project right now, still working on the, the pig house. But, but this, this house intrigued me. I got a call from another realtor that told me about a house that was for sale. And it was a great price. Great prices are good in my business. So I thought, man, I'll go over and take a look. And so I, I called and, and got a couple of the guys that work with me. I said, hey, guys, bring your flashlights because they said that the lights are off in the house and you really can't see. So I bring, make sure we have lights so we can go in. And I grabbed my gloves and put my gloves on. They're like, well, uh, Double D, why are you putting gloves on? And we were standing outside the door and I'm like, well, do you really want to know the real story before we go in? And I so I'm starting to unlock the door and I says, well, here's the deal, guys. If you don't want to go in, I totally understand. But the reality is that there's a guy who owned the house uh, before, and the reason the price is so low is because the guy committed suicide inside of the house. And so they said, wow, like, oh, man, that's serious. I says, yeah. And, and there's just things all over the house. I mean, he didn't have any family, and so all the furniture is still here, all of his belongings. And then they says, man, that, that is just so sad. Then the guy says, I'll tell you what, though, it won't stop me from going in. Somebody's got to die everywhere. I says, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're about right. But then he did the strangest thing. We went from being sad about the guy's life to looking over in the driveway. And I love this guy, but he looked over and saw a car sitting there and says, hey, hey, Double D, hold on a second. I see a car over there in the driveway. Does that car go with the house? Because if that car goes with the house, I want the car. I'm, I'm, I'm putting my dibs up for the car right now. I'm like, dude, we're here in this solemn moment, and you're thinking about this guy's property. So we go on inside, and we walk around and go in through the back door of the kitchen. And man, it was so sad because you could see all the indicators of this guy's life and how he lived his life. How do you live your life? I mean, you could see the certificates on the walls. You could see his furniture. Things were, I can't say neat because he was sort of a pack rat. There were things everywhere, but you could see how he lived his everyday life. I could see which movies he liked because they were all lined up on the shelf. I could see which books he read. And we began to walk around. And as I began to inspect the plumbing and look around the heating system and all that, again, my guys started naming things that they thought they wanted. Ah, oh, double man, it's pretty sad. But, but I tell you what, if we get this house and, and I hope we get the clean out because I, I want this and I want that and I want all that. And, and I say that because, man, what, what hit me suddenly after I began to get a little bit of that same thing, uh, boy, look at some of this stuff. I begin to say, boy, I wonder, I wonder if I ever knew this guy. I wonder if I ever drove down the street, you know, and waved at him as he might have been working in his yard cutting grass. I wondered if, if I had passed him in the local Kroger's right here in our community that we all live in. You see, there was probably an opportunity along the way for someone Someone to be a sheep, someone to show him love, to to feed him, if not physical food, to feed him hope, someone to give him something to drink. If if not water, what about the living water? Someone to to provide him the kind of shelter, if nothing more than embrace and letting him know that he he mattered and he valued. Obviously, he felt he didn't matter. Otherwise, he wouldn't have taken his life. I, I guess my point is. When it comes to the idea of us being sheep or goats, we know that it's not a matter of, of us getting into heaven and earning our way by our good works. But the truth of the matter is, Jesus doesn't put these out. He didn't put this passage out here as, a, as just something that's just a good idea that if we feel like and if we have enough time that, that we might just kind of go out there and, and show God's love. Now, he put it there because the reality is he knows that for all of us, in order for us to, to live out for the outward expression of what's going on in our hearts to take place, there has to be fruit. There has to be, be fruit. So we know that uh, the salvation comes by grace through faith, 
only through Jesus Christ. Doesn't come through Muhammad, through Buddha, through Krishna, only through Christ Jesus. And so if we don't put our confidence and our faith in him, no matter what we do, we won't find our way into heaven. And too often uh, we come into a place like this and we look around and, uh, and we see people every Sunday that we gather in this very room. And some of the people who we gather with are dealing with some serious major issues in their lives. Some don't know uh, how they're going to pay for their medications. Oh, you wouldn't know it by their faces. Some don't know if, if anyone really deeply cares for them who are probably sitting right here in this very room today. Someone's going to go home and have to sit in a dark room and eat a meal all along right here in this very church that comes week after week. And the only way that we'll able to be what Christ wants us to be is to get to know the people in our community. And so you have to ask yourself, are you the person that comes in on Sunday morning, you get your praise on, you know what I mean? You, you sing your good songs and the next thing you know, you're heading out the door real quick to go to your car and then go on your way. Or do you take time to get to know the people right here in this community? As I said, the people who we, who we encounter in our everyday lives, they, they want, uh, they want wear signs that say, hey, lonely. You know, they won't wear signs that say, hey, about to lose my home. Addiction, you won't see any signs like that saying spousal abuse. But the reality is people in our society, in fact, even our very church, need for us to be the kind of people that Jesus is talking about. I find it interesting when I read that passage that he doesn't say when you fed, clothed, and provide shelter for, when you, when you didn't overlook those in need, you did it unto me. He didn't say that, that, that you overlooked the guy across the street or the neighbor or the people over in the other country or the people, you know, around the block. He says, no, when you either did or didn't do what needed to be done, you either ignored and overlooked or you loved and cared for me. I think that's our challenge every day. Uh, I'll tell you a, a quick story uh, because I think it's, it's so easy for us to, to misjudge uh, to uh, to overlook and to ignore those we see every day. And I'll make this fast as we're moving to a close. Uh, and I didn't tell this to, in the first first service, but it just dawns on me now, and so I'm, I'm going I'm to tell you. I, during my policing years early on, I remember uh, sitting on uh, Redding Road, uh, sitting in my police car, going about doing my, my duties. I was actually looking for speeders running, running radar back then. It wasn't laser, just running radar. And I was trying to rack up tickets, just rack them up. And day after day, I saw the same thing because I sat in the same spot. It was just a good, you know, good hold to get good tickets. And so, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, I sat there day after day and I was just racking them in every day, you know, getting my paddle back. Hey, good job. Another 10 tickets for the day. Yes, sir. And, and every day right across from me at the bus stop, a lady would get off the bus stop and I looked over at her and I overlooked, ignored, and I judged her. I thought, oh, man, there's, there's just another welfare mom. She walked through the crowd of the guys doing their cat calls. And, yeah, they, they, you know, just more of the riffraff. I looked at her. Oh, okay, just, just, no, just another person who's in this world taking up space. Wonder if she's paying her fair share of taxes. You know, you know how we can misjudge, overlook. And then, then one day... Uh, I saw her go up in her apartment just as usual. And, and she, she lived at the top of that apartment building. And I remember because later on I had to go through that building. But, but she had to walk through the stench of, of dried, old, hot, smoldering urine when people went to the restroom in the hallway. 
And I remember on this one particular day that uh, I was sitting out there that the call came out, call for service. And I remember, man, I'm right here. I can respond to that quickly. And so I rushed into the hallway of that dank looking building and you can smell as soon as you hit the door, just that odor coming out. And and all I heard just as I began to walk up the stairs was, ah, she was screaming out. Not not one of those kind of just like, but it was that blood curling, painful kind of scream that you hear that you will never, ever, ever, ever forget. I began to make my step way up the steps much quicker then. And back then we had revolvers. I took out my revolver and I'm thinking like, what's going on? And I'm going up the steps trying to make sure. It's... But then I saw her coming down, screaming and crying and soaking wet, barely dressed. And then I go up to the apartment and uh, with her as she's crying. And, and I didn't see her before as, as the person who needed an embrace. But she needed an embrace, not just on that day, but the day before. I didn't see her before as a person that was just thirsty just for someone to step in and show her love. I, I didn't see that. I got up to the apartment. Her, her guy was sitting there, her baby daddy. He was sitting there playing video games. Uh, is what he did. And uh, kids were there, two other kids. And I'm like, what's going on? And I, we go through the whole thing. And it turns out she came home from work, as she always did, fixed the meal for the kids, as always, two other kids besides the, the baby. And then she went, uh, poured a hot bath, uh, took a, a hot bath every day after she went out, working hard when I judged her as the welfare mom, trying to provide for her family. And uh, on this particular day, when I went up there, uh, what she had done was she had sat in the bathtub as they were out there eating and her baby's daddy playing his video games because he didn't work at all, and holding her little baby in the, in the bathtub. Joy! Joy dish, you remember, guys, remember Joy dishwashing detergent? That was her baby bath. Was sitting right there. I'll never forget the words, Joy. But, but what happened was she sat there and, and being so fatigued and worn down, just holding her little baby, I mean, little baby, just slipped down to the water. Yeah. So that scream that I heard in the hallway when she walked down carrying that little baby, oh man. I wish I could tell you that somehow I was able to revive that, that child and, Nothing I could do. I called the fire company and they responded, sat there for for a little bit. But man, by then it was really nothing really I could really say. Nothing I could really do. But I look back now and I think about that. And trust me, I think about it probably way more than I should. Because I know that while I was sitting there overlooking and ignoring and judging, in fact, that was a daughter of the Most High God that, that I should have been pouring into. She was probably thirsty, not for water, but just thirsty for someone to say, hey, you're working hard. Maybe you should take a break. I know the women here who who sow into the lives of, of parents and children by working over at the school. Man, you don't know what a difference you're making because there are a lot of people that are just hungry just for a break. You, you don't know the lives that you're saving by the little things that you do that are that are being the hands and feet of Christ. I didn't, I didn't mean to, uh, to bring you down with such a sad story. As I said, it just dawned on me. I didn't think about it before. But I say that to say, as we leave here today, uh, don't, don't go out into the world uh, just celebrating the fact that you're saved by grace through faith. Find your way recognizing that you're called uh, to love those, even in fact sometimes, who are unlovable. You're called uh, to share the love of God, to, to feed those who are hungry, uh, hungry sometimes just for companionship, to, to provide for those who are thirsty, just thirsty for someone that cares and maybe to help provide shelter for someone who's in need of just warmth.
Bow your heads with me.